We're going to continue in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, yesterday I made a statement, and I want to just cover this with you before we look at the first eight verses of this amazing chapter together. I made this statement yesterday. To me, 1 Corinthians 15 is the most important and the most imperative chapter written by the hand of the Apostle Paul. Now, that is a huge statement to make, especially considering that the Apostle Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And in those 13 books, he said he gives us doctrine and theology and Christology and bibliology. I mean, the Apostle Paul, if you've ever read the New Testament, you know. Uh, just like Peter would say in 2 Peter when he would write and say, some of you have read the letters from Paul, and I know they can be a little bit confusing. Uh, we know that this man's mind worked in ways that uh, probably nobody else's mind has ever worked. I mean, this man was a genius. Um, so for me to say there's a chapter in the Bible um, that might be the greatest portion of Scripture that he personally penned, that's a high statement. And, and that should draw your attention to the importance of this text. Friends, 1 Corinthians 15 is a defense of the resurrection of Jesus. Not only a defense of the resurrection of Jesus, but of our future resurrection, which in the next couple of days we will get to. But when we look at this today, I want us just to see how Paul begins to speak of the resurrection of Jesus. Now listen to what he says. He says this, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through verse 8. I'm just going to kind of walk through this with you and just uh, pick it apart. Okay, so um, now brothers, Paul says, I want to clarify for you the gospel that I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. Remember that in this day and time, uh, there were many people that were infiltrating the church, especially from Judaism um, and even maybe other religions at this point in time that were really trying to, to take the focus off of Christ, um, really trying to, uh, in the case of Judaism, impose Jewish laws into the church, such as circumcision and dietary laws. Um, there were also people, once you get to 2 Corinthians, that were even saying that Paul was a false apostle and that he was uh, just money hungry. So there's all these different things that are floating around. And Paul just pauses for a moment and says to the church at Corinth, which he had a hand in planting, he says, hey, hey, just hold on a second. Let me just clarify for you the gospel that I proclaim to you. In case there's any question, I want you to know where I stand. And this is the gospel you received. This is the gospel that saved you. This is the gospel that you have taken a stand on. He says you are saved by it, verse 2, if you hold to the message that I proclaim to you unless you believe for no purpose. Unless you just believed just for the sake of of believing. You know, there are many people in the church today that do this, right? Many people say, I gave my life to Christ because my friends did, or I was being pressured to do so, but it wasn't really a true conversion. Paul says, if you have believed the gospel that I proclaim to you, you have been saved by it, you have taken your stand on it, and you should cling to it. He says in verse three, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received. And so this is why I say this is probably the most important and imperative chapter that Paul would write. Why? Because he even says, I passed on to you as most important what I also received. And he is about to clarify what he actually preached and taught the church at Corinth. Now listen. He says that Christ 
died for our sins according to the scriptures. We can go back into the Old Testament and we can search the Old Testament and we can find prophecy of the Messiah who is going to come and how that Messiah is going to suffer. You remember Isaiah 53, he himself bore our sicknesses. He himself bore our shame, but we in turn regarded him as stricken, struck down by God. He's a man uh, that, 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 that we, we, we would not value his appearance. By his stripes, we are healed. This is First Corinthians, or this is Isaiah 53. We remember Psalm 22. They've pierced my hands. They've pierced my feet. They're casting lots from my clothes. And these clothing, these are scriptures that were written hundreds of years before Jesus would come, and yet they point to Jesus to show us what's going to happen ultimately in his crucifixion. And so Paul says, Christ died according to the scriptures. Listen, that he was buried. Now that's imperative for the gospel. I was in Zambia a few years ago and we were going through this text and I asked the question, is it important for us to teach people that Jesus was buried? And the answer is absolutely unequivocally yes. Why? Because you don't bury someone who's in a coma and you don't bury someone who is not dead. You bury someone who is dead. So the fact that Paul throws it in there means it's important for us to know. He was buried. Jesus was dead. His body was lifeless. There was no breath left in him. He died on the cross of Calvary. He was placed in a dark, damp, empty tomb, placed in there in order for his body to rot away. Let's just be honest. That's why you bury somebody. But the Bible tells us that three days after he was buried, he resurrected from the dead. And that is exactly what Paul says. And he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So friends, the Bible teaches us of the resurrection. The uh, psalmist David would write in Psalm um, chapter number 16 and verse number 10, you will not allow your Holy One to see decay. David would write that. Peter would say of that verse, he would say, David says you will not allow your Holy One to see decay, but you can go to the tomb of David today and you can visit his bones. But this Jesus whom you crucified has been resurrected from the grave. Friends, Jesus has resurrected. He is no longer in the tomb. This is good news for us, friends. This is great news for us. This means that our sins have been atoned for. Now you say, Zach, that is just an outlandish belief to think that somebody could get up from the grave. Friends, this entire book, the entire Bible is a book of life. God bringing life out of death. You read this book and every time it seems that, that, there is, that there is the implication of death, such as, say, Joseph being sold by his brothers, cast into a pit, or, or maybe even the Israelites going into the Red Sea is seemingly dead. You think about even some of uh, the stories of actual people being raised from the dead. 
It shows us that throughout this book, God is reversing the curse. Death is unnatural to the human experience. We were actually made to live forever, but sin causes us to die. This is unnatural. And so so here we have it. Paul says what? God raised him from the dead just like he said Jesus is alive. You say, that's crazy. That's outlandish. And Paul says, hey, if you don't believe it, if you don't believe it, what? He appeared, verse 5, to Cephas. That's Peter. If you don't believe it, go ask Peter. Peter will tell you. Peter saw him down by the Sea of Galilee. Matter of fact, they ate fish together. Just go ask Peter. If that's not good enough, go to the 12. They were in the upper room. Jesus appeared. He ate fish with them. If you don't believe, go ask them. If that's not good enough, he appeared to 500 people at one time. Most of them are still alive. Go ask one of them. They will tell you. They saw him physically. This is not a ghost. They saw him physically. But if that's not enough, if that's not enough, he appeared to James. James was his brother, his half-brother. We Remember, they don't have the same daddy. Why? Because James had an earthly father. Jesus, a heavenly father. But they were half-brothers. They had the same mama. But James and his other brothers, like Jude and some of those, they thought Jesus was crazy in his ministry. But after the resurrection, James becomes a Christian and becomes a leader of the church in Jerusalem. So go ask James. James saw him. If James isn't good enough, go ask the apostles. They saw him. If that's not enough, come and ask me, Paul says. You remember me, don't you? I'm the one who persecuted the church. I'm the one who did everything I could to stamp out the message of Christianity. Yet he appeared to me. I saw him with my own eyes. I spoke to him on the road to Damascus. And I know that he's risen from the dead. He's been resurrected. Friends, this is the most amazing news on earth. That Jesus is alive to the glory of God. We as believers in Christ do not worship an idol. We do not worship a God who is dead. We worship a living God, a living Savior. 